So we're starting a new series called Up, and we're not talking about the movie Up, okay? So we're not talking about that. Okay, so get that out of your mind. Okay, so let me tell you what we are talking about. Um, sometimes as Christ followers, it's incredibly important for us to learn how to stand up and speak up and show up and pray up. Those are very important things that God wants all of us as Christ followers to learn how to do. So in this series, we're going to learn how to do that. And we're going to draw from the wisdom and the life experience of an Old Testament Bible character, actually one of my favorite Old Testament Bible characters, a guy by the name of Daniel. And Daniel did that all of his life. And he faced some major challenges and God regularly asked him to stand up, to speak up, to show up and to pray up. And so Daniel modeled that so beautifully for us. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at the life of Daniel. So if you know the, the story of the Daniel in the lion's den, then that's the Daniel we're talking about. If you don't know that story, guess what? In a couple of weeks, you'll know that story because we're going to go through that story together. So if you have a Bible, flip over to Daniel chapter one. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles in the back of each seating section. If, uh, if, you, if you don't have one, you've got one on your phone, pull that up. Otherwise, the verses will come up on the screen. Now, let me give you the backdrop of Daniel's story, and then we'll get into the meat of it in Daniel chapter one. So the backdrop of Daniel's story is he lived around 600 years before the life of Christ, and he lived in Jerusalem. So that city that we looked at there in that picture, he lived there in that old city in the, in the, uh, around the, inside the walls. And so around 600 years before the life of Christ, a, another king from another nation, King Nebuchadnezzar from the Babylonians, and, and that would be for us modern day Iraq and Iran. Okay, so King Nebuchadnezzar was going around the Middle East, conquering all the nations there. He made it to Israel and he defeated the Israelites in battle. And then what King Nebuchadnezzar did was he took most of the, the Israelites back to Babylon to live as slaves. So imagine what that might feel like, okay? So imagine if another nation came and defeated us on our own soil and then took most of us and said, you're going back to our nation to live as slaves. So that was the scenario that Daniel lived in. So Daniel was a part of that group that was going back to Babylon and he was going to live as, as a slave. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar was a ruthless king, but also a brilliant king. So here's his brilliance. He knew that these slave nations would want to fight against him to regain their freedom. And so he came up with this brilliant strategy, and the strategy was a special training program. So it's a three-year training program. So he said, told his leaders, said, I want you to go, and I want you to pick some of the best, the brightest, the, the, the strongest, the, the most handsome young guys that you can get from these slave nations. And I want you to put them through this training program, three-year program, where they would learn uh, the Babylonian culture, customs. They would uh, learn how to worship Babylonian gods. And they would get the best that Babylon had to offer them. The best. They have the best educations. They, they live in the best homes, the best clothes, the best of everything. And what the king wanted was for those young men to enjoy that experience so much. And he, he dangled in front of them this little carrot. The carrot was, if you do well in this training program, you'll get positions of wealth and power within my kingdom. So you'll get a job and you'll be taken care of the rest of your life. So the king knew if I tap into their selfishness, 
Slavery won't be so bad for them. And they'll look around at their nation that's in slavery and they'll want to keep them as slaves so that they can stay in the position that they're in. So again, brilliant strategy from a ruthless king. So in verse five, Daniel chapter one, verse five, Daniel and uh, whoever else are, are a part of this from the Jewish culture, these, these young men, they face their very first obstacle. So Daniel chapter five, verse, or chapter one, verse five says this. It says, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. Now, for you and I to read that, we go like, what's the problem there? I mean, that sounds fantastic. Anybody want to eat like a king? Yeah, the two of us do. It's great. (laughs) I would want to. So for Daniel, though, and the other young Jewish guys, this would have violated a law that God had for them. God said, hey, there's certain things I don't want you to eat. And guess what? Those were on King Nebuchadnezzar's weekly menu. And so they had a decision to make. Are we going to obey the king or are we going to obey our God? And it's, it's funny to think something as simple as just what you eat uh, could, could determine this, could put these guys in this big dilemma, but it did. Now, for them, they could have easily rationalized their involvement. And they could have said, you know, hey, here we are in slavery. God understands that. God knows if we don't do this, we're going to die. So like we have to, we don't want to. Looks good. Kind of like to. But, you know, here we are in this situation. We got, we just have to do this. Now, here's our first personal application. What kind of rationalizations do we come up with when we are tempted to do something that we know ultimately doesn't honor God? You know, think about, uh, you know, some of the things that maybe we say or we hear in our culture. You know, we often hear everybody else is doing it. And maybe we're tempted to say that. Maybe we're tempted to say, you know what, everybody else at work is doing this or everybody else in my community is doing this. Everybody else at school is doing this. So maybe God's standards are a little bit old fashioned. And if I don't, I'll be made fun of. That wouldn't be okay. That wouldn't be fun. I wouldn't enjoy that experience. If I don't go to some of these places, hang out with some of these people, then maybe I can't reach them for Christ and help them grow in their relationship with Christ. So maybe I have to do some of this. I know God doesn't really like that, but maybe God would understand if I do it you know, with that motive in mind. Or maybe we say, you know, I know I shouldn't be living with this person, but like I need their income. Like uh, we made this commitment, we got in, we thought this was gonna be great. It isn't as great as we thought it was gonna be, but we're kind of stuck here. And so I, I, I know God would understand that. So what kind of rationalizations do we come up with when we're tempted to disobey something that God has asked us not to do or something that God has asked us to do? Now take that word rationalization, rationalize, break it into two parts. So you got rational lies. So when we come up with excuses, they are rational excuses. They can be rational lies that we tempt ourselves to believe in that moment of like, hey, like we just kind of have to do that. So when you are tempted to do something that you know God doesn't want you to do, what kind of rational lies do you come up with? So we've got Daniel. He's in this spot. He could have easily come up with this, this excuse for, for why he, he had to do this. But 
We've got Daniel, and then verse 6 and 7 tell us we have four other guys. So it identifies four guys in this scenario, but I am sure there are way more than four young Jewish guys in this scenario. So here are these guys that are in this spot. So we've got Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, when they moved to Babylon, their names were changed in honor of Babylonian gods. So listen to their new names. And if you're looking for a baby name, one that's unique that nobody else has, here you go. Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, so those are their new names. And for King Nebuchadnezzar, he's going, I want to erase every memory you have of Israel, even the memory you have of your God. I'm going to change your name so that you will now identify with us and you will identify with our Babylonian gods. Now, here's another interesting uh, reality for these guys. Most Bible scholars believe that these guys were between 12 and 15 years of age in this scenario, in this part of the story. Okay, so let me ask. When you're 13, what would you do when everybody else around you is doing something you know you shouldn't do? Okay, so you're away from your your parents, you're away from your culture, you're away from your country. It's a law. The king says you have to do it. What would you do in that scenario? Now, I wish that I could say, you know, it doesn't matter what age I am or what culture I'm in or where I'm at in the world, doesn't matter. I would always serve God. But I was 13 one time. And at 13, I made tons of stupid decisions. Like, am I alone in that one? Is anybody else here? Great, thank you for being honest. So what would you do in that scenario? I think that it's another part of of why this story is so amazing to me, is we've got these around 12 to 15-year-old guys who are making a decision, a big decision. And uh, this isn't just um, something that they're deciding in the moment, as we'll see in a minute. This is a big decision that they are making. They have kind of pre-decided. So let's see what they've decided in verse 8. So Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 8, the first part of it says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So the context of what's being displayed here in this passage, this verse is Daniel had pre-decided Daniel had determined in advance how he was going to live. This wasn't Daniel deciding in the moment, oh, guys, what should we do? I'm not so sure. Uh, Let's let's quick together, let's make make up our minds of what we should do in this scenario. This is Daniel having already decided. So this isn't a young high school freshman going to his first high school party trying to figure out if he's going to drink or not. This isn't a young hormone-filled teenager in the backseat of a car trying to figure out how far he's going to go with his girlfriend. This is a young man who has determined in advance what he's going to do. He's already pre-decided how he is, is going to live. And it, just imagine how beneficial that mindset would be for us. You know, look back at, at your life and some of the decisions that you've made in your life and think how beneficial that would have been if you would have adopted that mindset. How beneficial would that have been if you would have said at a young age, you know what, I'm just going to serve God no matter what. I know I may be made fun of at school. I know kids in the neighborhood may pick on me. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to serve God and I'll leave the results 
to God. Imagine how beneficial that would have been. That would have saved me from all kinds of heartache and stupid consequences because of my stupid decisions. That could benefit us today. Today, if we decided, you know what, I'm just going to determine now how I'm going to live. That can benefit us from this point throughout the rest of our lives. So a great mindset, a great strategy for for serving God. And you know, sometimes I hear this in our culture and it kind of breaks my heart. Sometimes people say, you know what? Our culture is so big, it's so strong. You know, our poor teens, our our preteens, they don't have a chance. Hopefully they'll come back after college if they make it through college. And I think that doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be that spot. You know what? There are still young people who are willing to stand up There are elementary school kids, there are middle school kids, there are high school kids willing to stand up and say, you know what, I don't don't care what the culture says. I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna serve God. I I don't wanna be defiled by things that disobey God. So I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna serve God. And so I wonder where did Daniel get this deep conviction? I think he got it from his parents. The text doesn't tell us this, but I think he got it from his parents or he got it from a significant adult in his life, like a a youth leader or a children's worker. He got it from somebody else who trained him at a young age, very young age, said, listen, Daniel, one day you're gonna have to stand up. You're gonna have to stand up for God. I'm gonna teach you how to do that. And I wonder if Daniel's parents had conversations with him and maybe his three friends, their parents had conversations with them while they were going into captivity. I wonder if they had a conversation like this, Daniel, it's time. I've, I've been teaching you all your life. I, I, I've taught you as best I can to st- how to stand up for God in right ways. And it's time. It's time for you to do this on your own. Like our family's probably gonna be torn apart. You're gonna be pulled away. We're gonna be in slavery. We're not sure how this is gonna play out. We may not ever be able to speak into your life again. So it's time, Daniel. It's time for you to stand up. Stand up for God and do what you know God wants you to do. I, I think that's where Daniel got that deep conviction. Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way that they should go and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So if you are a parent or if you're a youth leader or a a worker in our children's ministry or a teacher, you have influence over kids in any way, never doubt that your influence is significant on them. Never doubt that. And every day when you send your kids off, remind them, like, this is your moment. This is your moment to stand, to stand up for God in ways that honor him. Now, we're going to be doing a parenting series in the next few months. So if you have kids and want to continue to learn how to do that, I, I hope you'll, you'll come back for that. So Daniel came up with a strategy. He, he didn't want to disobey the God, so he had to come up with some plan. So he came up with that plan starting again in verse 8 through 14. So listen to that. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant then who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. 
the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. So Daniel's strategy was a pretty simple strategy. He just asked. He asked. And I think sometimes the strategy that God has for us to navigate some of the obstacles that stand before us and us obeying God the way that God wants us to is to simply ask. The Bible says sometimes we don't have things because we don't ask for them. And so sometimes I think the best strategy is to simply ask. And so here's an example of where we might need to ask. I talk to a number of people who uh, get connected at church, either here or somewhere else, and then all of a sudden their job changes or they get a new job offer, and then they have to work on Sundays. And then I, I talk to them later and they're like, man, I miss coming to church, but you know, I, I, my job changed. I, I, I can't be there anymore. You know, I've got to work. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what to do. Now, I understand we have to work. I understand sometimes we have to work on Sunday. I know it's hard to believe, but I work on Sunday. So like, I, I get that. I get the whole concept, okay? Uh, but sometimes I think we don't have because we don't ask. And so in several scenarios, I've suggested to people like, hey, have you ever asked your boss if you could come in later on Sunday? Like maybe you could go to church. We have a first service, a second service. Maybe you come into the first service and then maybe you could go to work and then maybe you could work an, an hour or two later in the day. And several people that I've suggested that to said, like, I've never thought of that. Like, great suggestion. One went to the, his boss and said, hey, what about this strategy? And the boss said, yes, sure. I don't see any problem with that. That'd be, that'd be fine. Now, does that strategy always work? No, it doesn't always work. For, for Daniel, when he brought it up to the chief of staff, his first response was no. Like, I, I would love to, but I can't. I kind of like my head and my body attached together. It'd be kind of nice to keep them that way. Um, so his first response was no. But Daniel didn't take that as his final no. He just went to somebody else and said, hey, here's this strategy. Do you think it would be all right? And his request was granted. So sometimes I, I think the best strategy is to just ask and find out what God can do through that. Now, um, in... Uh, verse, uh, let's see, let me see where I'm at. Now, I want, you, I want us to look back and, and look at how Daniel stood up to this, okay? So th this is very important for us. Before we watch what happens after Daniel's request is granted, how did Daniel stand up? So Daniel did not stand up and say, King Nebuchadnezzar, I know your strategy. You're trying to trick us and I'm not buying into it. You're gonna rot in hell for this decision that you've made. He didn't stand up that way. Daniel respectfully submitted a request. He respectfully submitted a request to this, be ultimately to this pagan king and to these, these servants of a pagan king. So he respectfully did that. And what that tells me is there are right ways to stand up for God and there are wrong ways to stand up for God. And sometimes we as Christ followers, we stand up for the right thing in the wrong way. Sometimes we do that in a lot of contexts, and I, I hate to beat on social media, um, but let me beat on it for a minute, okay? Sometimes I watch on Facebook Christ followers acting very unchristlike around a subject that is a good subject, is a subject that we should stand up for God in, but the way they're standing up for God doesn't represent God well to the world. And when I see that, it just grieves my heart. Now, should we stand up and speak truth for God? Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. But how we do that is critical. 
The how is so important to God because we represent him to the world. So I think we've got to learn from Daniel how to do those things. And next week, we're going to learn how to speak up in a moment where none of us would want to speak up. Um, So again, that's incredibly important. Now, so Daniel's request was granted. And let's look at verse 15 through 17. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned them by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine provided for the others. Now look at verse 17, what God does in verse 17 because of of Daniel and his friends and their response to him. Verse 17, God gave these four young men an unusual appetite for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. So God gave these guys unusual abilities. Why? Because they determined in advance. Because they said, I'm gonna stand up for God in right ways. I'm going to do things that will honor God in ways that will honor him. We've decided in advance how we're going to live. And I think the same thing can happen for us in whatever situation we're in, whether we're at home or at school, we're at work, no matter where we are, if we say, you know what, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to do the right thing that God wants me to do. I think God will come along and give us unusual abilities, unusual abilities, things that that other people look around and go like, how did you get so good at that? Like, you're not that smart. Like, yeah, I'm not. That came from God. Like, why? Because I decided in advance that I would obey God. I would stand up, no matter what the consequences, I would, I'm just gonna obey God and what God wants me to do. Now look at verse 18. It tells us a little bit more of those special abilities and what King Nebuchadnezzar saw in these young guys. So when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. 10 times more capable. That is amazing. And why did they get those abilities? Because they determined in advance how they were going to stand up for God. Now, Personal reflection questions for us as we kind of wrap up today's message. What do you need to stand up for? And maybe there's something in your life uh, that you know you need to stand up for God for. What could that thing be? And how do you need to stand up for God? Again, there are right ways to do that and there are wrong ways to do that. So how does God want you to stand for him. And what do you need to determine in advance that you will do or you won't do? What do you need to decide in advance? Maybe you're in a marriage that is falling apart. Maybe you feel like you've done everything you know to do, but you're not quite sure uh, what to do at this point. And maybe all your friends are telling you to get out of this thing. Maybe your spouse is telling you to get out. Maybe everything in your fiber of your being says, like, I just need to get out. This is just not going well at all. 
And maybe today God is saying, it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to do the right thing in the right way. Maybe you, you've, you need to acknowledge some of the dysfunction you've brought into the relationship. Maybe you need to stop that and determine now how you're going to live. You're not going to add to the dysfunction. Your spouse can do whatever they want, but it's time for you to learn how to stand up for God and his principles in ways that honor him. Maybe you've got some friends that are regularly, regularly trying to get you to do something that you know you shouldn't do. And maybe it's time for you to stand up and get new friends. Maybe it's time for you to say, like, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm just not going to do that. I, I know that I may be made fun of. I know that people may give me a hard time about that. I, I, I just, I understand that. Like, I just, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I've decided in advance how I'm going to live. Maybe at work, your boss or your coworkers are putting pressure on you to cut some ethical corners. Maybe they've found like some ways you could do something faster and it's like, oh, it's really on the ethical border. Like, I don't know that we should be doing that. And maybe it's time for you to stand up and say, you know what, respectfully, like, I just can't do that. I know it may cost me more money. I know it may take more time, but I've got to do what God is asking me to do and I've got to leave the results to him. So I don't know what you may need to stand up for. I don't know what you may need to decide in advance about, but I am convinced that God wants you to stand up for something. I'm convinced that God wants you to decide in advance about something. So what do you need to stand up for? And what do you need to decide in advance? And know this, if you make that decision, you're gonna stand out and people are gonna make fun of you and there's a chance you could lose some friends. There's a chance you could lose a job. And there's a chance that, that your world could change drastically because of this decision. But here's what scripture teaches. Just like what happened with Daniel and his friends can happen with us. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse nine says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I just love the context of that. The eyes of the Lord are roaming across the earth looking for someone who is fully committed to him. And when he finds that person, he strongly supports them. He says, that's a person that's standing for me. I think that's what happened with Daniel. God came along, saw Daniel, and said, I'm gonna strongly support you. Why? Because you decided in advance that your heart is fully committed to me. So God will strongly support you when you make a decision like that. Now, next week, we're going to learn how to speak up for God uh, in a moment that, again, none of us would really want to speak up in the moment that we're going to look in, in Daniel's life. Um, but today, the way I'd like to end our service, if you're new with us, this is, might feel a little bit weird, especially if this is your first time here. But in a moment, I'm going to ask those of you who know you need to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand so I can pray for you. And maybe you're in a spot where you know, like, I've got to stand at work. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's later this week. Um, maybe you're in a relationship. You know you need to stand up and, and do the right thing, say the right thing. Maybe there's some friends you need to stand up and do the right thing for or say the right thing to. Um, I don't know what your scenario might be. But if you know, if you know today, I've got to stand, I would love to end our service by praying specifically for you. And what happens is, is when we stand physically, often that gives us the strength to stand in our spirits as well. So if you're in that spot 
and you need some prayer this morning, would you please stand? Awesome. Awesome. All right, um, before we pray, those of you who are standing, would you just look at me for a moment? God has seen you standing. He sees you right now. And God wants to strongly support you as you do that. And we as a church family want to strongly support you as well. So would everybody else please stand and let's pray together. And then our worship team is gonna come out and guide us in a closing song. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the incredible story of Daniel. Daniel spoke this amazing story and lived this amazing life. And uh, Lord, I'm so encouraged by him and his ability to, at a young age, decide in advance that he's going to stand. Lord, we need to decide just like Daniel did today. And there are these folks here. Lord, you've seen them. You know who they are. They've, they've stood for you. So, you know, I've got to make a decision. There's something that they have to face today or this week or sometime very soon, and they know they've got to stand for you and your ways, and they've got to do that in a way that will bring honor and glory to you. So, Lord, I pray your incredible hand of favor on them. I pray that you would give them the strength that they need as they stand. I pray that you would give them the words to speak as they need to speak these words. Lord, I pray that you would give them incredible discernment. Lord, I pray that you would give them 10 times the wisdom and ability that they have in this moment to stand for you. I pray that you would bring around them other Christ followers who can help encourage them on this journey. Lord, I pray that they would look to you, the one who wants to strongly support them. And I pray this will be kind of a defining moment for them, a moment where they say, you know what? I remember that day I stood and I'm gonna do that the rest of my life. Lord, I pray that for all of us, that we would stand for you like Daniel did in ways that will always bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. If you would um, just be seated for just one moment. I have one final standing challenge for you. Um, I want to draw something from the announcements this morning before we leave today. Um, Last week, I had one of my most favorite conversations with somebody. And as a pastor, I've had the privilege of having a number of these conversations. But last week, I spoke with uh, a friend who'd been coming here for a number of years, off and on. And after the service last week, he informed me that the week prior at his home, while I was reading the Gospels, He put his faith and trust in Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. That's worth worth clapping for. Now, this guy is a big guy, and he's looking down at me, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, I don't know what took me so long. I'm not sure what took me so long, but it clicked. Like, it made sense. I need Jesus. And then he wanted to thank me and thank our church for the, the role that we played in his story. And I got to tell you, that will never grow old to me. That conversation will never grow old to me. Over the past six years, we as a church have been able to see at least 356 people put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is so humbling. to know that there are 356 people 
who will spend eternity in heaven because of that decision and because of our involvement in their lives. If you've served at our church, you play a part in every one of those people's story. No matter what part you play in our church, whether you hold babies, you serve coffee, you hold doors, you work on the worship team, the tech team, or kids or students, it doesn't matter. You play a part in each person's story who's had life change in Christ. And so I, I want to challenge you. I, I really want to encourage you. If you've been coming to, to Epic for any length of time, to take a next step and get involved in serving. Get involved in, in being a part of someone else's story. And you know, one of the ways that you can do that is through our children's ministry, our student ministry. They've got so many opportunities for you to do that and be an influencer on a young Daniel. Do you know how many kids desperately need somebody to teach them how to stand up like Daniel was taught? I mean, all of our kids need that. We've got many kids coming here. Over the past few weeks, we've had over 180 kids between birth and eighth grade here on Sunday morning. That's a lot of students and kids, and they need more and more of us who will come alongside of them and say, you know what, I'll stand up for you. I'll stand up to invest in you and your story in your life. And so you have an opportunity to do that. And so before you leave today, what I hope that you'll do is you'll stop by these, these tables in the back. You'll talk to the leaders about getting involved in being an answer to someone's question that they are asking. So that's my final stand-up challenge. Thank you for being here today. Can't wait to see you next week. Have a marvelous Super Bowl Sunday. Go Denver. All right, everybody say hello lows. Let me say my hello to everyone. Good morning and welcome to Epic Church. So glad that you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us. My name is Chris. I've got a couple of announcements before Trent comes out to give us his message. I would like to address anybody that's new here, first time or a new attender. Uh, we have a connection center on the way out as you're going to leave on the right-hand side. We're going to have somebody over there manning the table. They're going to make themselves available to answer any questions that you may have about Epic. And if not, it'll still give us an opportunity to meet you personally. So pop on in if you get a moment after service. As you can see over here, it is time for our annual food drive. And this is where we partner with Grace Community Food Pantry. And it's hard to imagine, but there are so many people in Flagler County that don't have enough to eat, but we can help out. Grace Community Food Pantry services 600 families a week here in Flagler County. That's amazing. So what we want to do is, on the way out today, you're going to have people handing out brown paper bags. The only difference is they're not going to be full. So um, they're going to be empty, but your job is to take it home, fill it up the best you can, bring it back on any Sunday uh, during service, uh, uh, before or after, during the month of February, and we'll get that over to Grace Community Food Pantry. You know, every year in the U.S., you know, billions of pounds of food are laid to waste, and millions of Americans don't get enough to eat. Uh, but we want to help bridge that hunger gap. So there's this thing called gleaning, and this is a biblical principle about going out into the fields to gather produce that would otherwise be left to rot. Uh, for some reason, a piece of produce may have a little imperfection, and it doesn't meet the standards for commercial sale, but it's still good to eat. So on February the 13th, we're going to be gleaning produce, and we're going to get it to local food pantries and local families in need. So this is a great opportunity if you have kids to serve as a family. My kids have done it. They've had a lot of fun with it. It's just really cool to go out together and serve and help those in need. So you can visit our website, which is theepicchurch.com, and you can um, go ahead and get signed up there. Today is the last day to sign up, so please make sure that you get it done today. Once you're signed up, be on the lookout about midweek or so. You're going to get some important instructions that's going to talk about uh, where things are going to go on the 13th of February. 
So supporting the food drive and gleaning are two great ways to help those in need. But Flagler, uh, um, Epic Church helps so many people here in Flagler County and beyond. And if you want to help partner with us financially to continue to serve in other projects as well, there are two ways that you can partner with us or give here at Epic. The first way is you can visit our website, like I said, theepicchurch.com, and you can click on the uh, giving tab to give securely online. Or we've gone ahead and set up giving boxes on tables that are behind the seating sections, and you can utilize those as well. Well, in two weeks, on February the 21st, we are going to have our five-week community group experience. And this is just a really cool event. This is uh, going to lay the foundation where you can go ahead and get involved in either a men's, a woman's, or a couple's community group. And i got to share something with you. About 15 years ago, I got involved in my first men's group, and it just totally changed me and who I am. Um, these guys that uh, you know, I, I connected with, I made long-lasting friendships. I was able to receive uh, spiritual guidance, uh, advice on relationships, on work issues, on all sorts of things, on parenting. So it just was really, really cool to get involved in that. So I was involved in a men's group. My wife was involved in a women's group. And then about 13 years ago, we got involved in our first couples group. And this just completely shaped our marriage. It was a really, really cool thing to see that um, you know, other people had problems in their marriage and, and nothing is perfect. None of us has the perfect relationship, no matter what we may put on Facebook, right? So we all have our issues and stuff like that. But what this did was it taught us what God wants in our relationship for one another. It taught us how to see each other's point of view. It taught us how to fight. I mean, we did a whole study on how to fight fair, how to argue. I mean, who does that? But it was really, really cool. So please, this will change your life. And this is where you're going to make your, what I call the 2 a.m. friends. That's when something happens, God forbid, you're like, who do I call? You call somebody in your group. That's where you're going to make your 2 a.m. friends. So after service... Um, we're going to have John Manzi. John, are you back there? I'm going to ask everybody to turn around. John is waving to you. This is where to get signed up for John. Oh, a round of applause for John. Nice. Um, appreciate that, John. So John's going to be over at the table over there. So this starts February 21st. It's going to be last for five weeks from 4 o'clock to 5.30 p.m. We're going to provide child care for grade 6 and below. So please get involved with that. If you can't see John, although I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to see John, but if you're in a rush, you can do the, uh, the sign up online if you need to today. So as you may have noticed, uh, we are growing here. Uh, and we have people coming in all the time, and they've got questions about God, about faith in Jesus, and about Epic. Uh, and in order to make this place and continue to make this place um, a, a place where we want to just grow in our relationships and, and make it a place for people who don't do church, as we like to say, we need your help. So if you look on your seats, there's going to be a card. It says, you are the answer. And on the other side, there's going to be some serving opportunities. Please pick that up for a minute. The tech team's going to bring up a slide right now. I want to go over these real quick. Um, there are some great, great opportunities, and we've kind of broken it down a little bit between first service and second service. Uh, we've got our connections team that needs about five volunteers in the first service and five in the second. This is the team that does the meet and greet. They come out there, hey, how are you doing? Welcome to Epic. If you're new here, where do I take my kids? Where's the main service? They're out there doing all that stuff. It's really important. So there's an opportunity there. Uh, creative media. These are the people that document a lot of the serving opportunities and the things that we do. 3G Sunday, people come out and take video and pictures. This is what the creative media team does. Uh, Epic Kids, we have the early childhood. That's birth through kindergarten. Uh, big need there. Eight volunteers the first, about 12 in the second service. Th here's what I think is so cool about this, and I, I hope I'm not off by saying this, but this is where you're hanging out with the cute little babies, the goo, the gaga, and then you give them back after about an hour to their parents. So it's just really cool to, to get that. I like doing it. I think it's a lot of fun because you get to give them back after a little bit. 
Uh, then we have our later childhood uh, in Epic Kids. We need six volunteers in the first, six in the second, and they're body trained in that area, so that's a good thing. But this is where the kids really start to learn the Bible stories, and you can be a part of that. So when they go home and they tell mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, guess what I learned today? You can be a part of what they're learning. So it's just really cool to, to feel like you're, you're engaging with these kids. And then we've got uh, Pipeline, our middle school. They're potty trained as well. That's good, right? Yeah. Cody Anderson, our Pipeline ministry lead right there. Really cool. So thank you, Cody. He's helped in the, in the potty training, so I really appreciate that. Um, but this is where our middle school kids are feeling the, the, um, the pressures of uh, social media, the pressures of middle school, all, all that stuff that's going on. And it's just really, uh, it's tough for them. You know, so if you're able to get involved with these kids and help them you know, stay on track and point them in the right direction, it's a great area to serve. That goes on during our second service only at 11 o'clock. And then we've got our prep team. As everybody knows, this is a school. This is a cafeteria where people eat. The rooms in the back where our kids are are set up with desks and whatnot. We have a whole team that comes in the morning and they transform it into this environment that makes it comfortable for us to have service here. And then at the end, uh, after second service, we have to make it a school again. So we got to rip everything down and put everything back together. So we have a great need over there for people to come in and uh, you know, set the school up and, and tear it down as well. We've got uh, Surge, our high school ministry, where Cody Anderson, yeah, another round of love. Thank you, Cody. So Cody's part of that as well. These are our high school students. And you have to understand, we're setting our kids up to go out after they graduate either to college, to the military, to a tech school, just out into the workplace in general. And it's just really important for these kids to have somebody to talk to about, hey, I don't get this, man. This whole life thing is scaring me, where you can share some of your experiences. These are important areas to engage and, and invest in our children. So think about that. We've got our tech team. We've got the people over there. There you go, Dave. Very nice. Uh, they do the sound. They do the lights. They do all sorts of stuff. You know, so it's really cool. We've got some really cool equipment here. You can get part of that. And then we have our worship team. Uh, if you sing or, and I won't be signing off for worship, I promise that. If you sing or if you do in, uh, play an instrument of some sort, get involved a little bit. Be part of what goes on here on Sunday mornings. So you can see all the needs that we have, and they're especially great in the kids' areas, and it's so important. So we, we've kind of developed a strategy that we want to challenge everybody with, and what that strategy is, it's a serve one, attend one strategy. Let me just come on down and uh, maybe go to first service, and then you can attend uh, or serve in the second, or you can come and serve in the first service, and, and or did I say that the other way? You know what I'm saying? Serve one, attend one. Either way you want to do it is fine. Um, so right after the service this is what we're going to do. Uh, if everybody decides that they can serve one and attend one, we're going to fulfill all those needs and beyond. So after service, you can see the signs that are set up back there. We're going to have the teams, the team leads back there with the applications for their areas. Now, some of the areas are going to have a basic background check for obvious safety reasons. Parents, I'm sure you understand that. And listen, if you've got a hiccup in your background, no big deal. We've got an area for you to serve. Don't be deterred by that, please. So right after service, make sure you stop by one of those tables, get yourself signed up, and together we can start being the answer to some of the questions that people in the community are having about God and about faith in Jesus and stuff. We can be those people that are, are pouring out into them just through our serving here at Epic. So I'm going to get off my soapbox. As you can see, I'm pretty passionate about the whole serving thing. So if you don't mind, would you bow your heads with me? I'd like to pray and then ask Trent to come out to give us the rest of his service. So God, I just thank you um, for all the people that are um, here, not only to hear about you, God, but to, but to serve as well. And I pray that, that everyone that is listening, that um, one day they would come to know the joy of serving and, and to feel the reward that comes with that, Lord. And God, I just ask you that you would comfort anyone who is unsure if they're capable of serving, um, that you would just pour out confidence on them and help them understand that they matter and that they've got a lot to offer. 
And Lord, I ask for courage and faith for all of our church as uh, some of us step out of our comfort zone um, just to answer your calling, Lord. Uh, I just thank you for this church, God. I thank you for its leaders, its attenders, and all the good work that comes from it. Uh, It's a pleasure and an honor, Lord, to worship and serve in your holy name. And God, I just ask that you would hear our prayers, um, guide our lives, and I ask all this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.